CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. It is Friday, and you know what that means. Options Action. Here's what's on tonight. Like a comet or volcanic eruption or looking forward to Mondays. Next week will be only the fifth time in history it's ever happened. We'll tell you what it is and how you can play it. Then, out with the old, in with the neo. The electric car maker is at a crossroads, and we're riding shotgun. Plus, about Netflix. Now, we did include a warning. But, um, yeah, we triage the trade at the very heart of our catchphrase. Risk less to make more. Options action starts right now. As we mentioned, next week will be only the fifth time that the five largest stocks in the S&P 500 index report earnings in the single calendar week. Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Google and Facebook. If you're trying to pick a horse in this race, you might be best off picking the turtle. Carter Worth explains. Carter. Sure. So it is a rare circumstance in the joint history of the top five stocks that are the largest right now. Uh, four other times, they've all reported the same week. And interestingly, it's not been a particularly good week. Um, we have some tables. Let's look at two and then get to the charts of one of those, Microsoft. So the first table, these are the four other times, the fifth being unknown, uh, where Apple, Microsoft, Google, Amazon, Facebook all report in the same week. And you see there in 2015, it was in January reporting Q4. And the peak, the trough declines, as depicted in that table, are pretty substantial. Now, look at the second slide. This is on the week, how the market did. And so what you see here is in each instance, and it doesn't have to happen again. It's, one could say, just a coincidence. It's not a hard statistics. You need many inputs. But it is uh, something to keep in mind. And so we have this circumstance coming again. One of the ones that seems sort of the most uh, sort of uh, reliable, orderly, steady, if you will, it's almost the Johnson Johnson of the 1980s would be Microsoft. Let's look at several charts. The first, this is a basically a one decade chart, a period where Microsoft has uh, ascended sixfold, 50, and now where it is, uh, an uptrend. How can we measure the uptrend? Next chart. It's a perfect 45 degree channel and you can see the stock in the channel uh, next chart now we're right on the midpoint this looks like the one i just had up but it's not it's depicting the midpoint of the channel and microsoft is literally ascending uh in that channel near perfectly so uh, we think it can get to the top of the channel two more charts here and now this is the here and now chart what we're doing here is connecting the march pandemic low to uh, the current lows, and it's a perfect trend line, and you can see the arrow I've drawn, the judgment is up. Final chart, and this is important. It's the exact same daily chart that we just looked at, but the bottom panel depicts the relative performance of Microsoft to the QQQ. Now, we know the QQQ is 100 stocks, but the top five, the ones we're talking about here, are 50% weight. 
And so Microsoft's relative performance for an entire year has been poor to the QQQ, but is now emerging. And uh, that makes it very interesting. We think this is one of the five to be long going into earnings. All right. Thanks for that, Carter. Mike, you got the trade. Yeah. So, you know, Microsoft, I mean, from a fundamental point of view, I think they're very well set up. I mean, what we have here is probably a little bit later stage migration by more mature companies to the cloud. And I think they're very well positioned in that space for growth, maybe even better than Amazon is, which probably was more focused towards, you know, younger companies that were sort of making that migration a little bit sooner. Plus, they are also well positioned in enterprise spending for those industries that are not likely to migrate completely to the cloud. So those would include things like financial services and healthcare. And obviously, they've demonstrated their ability to perform. Now, looking at earnings right now, the options market's implying about a 3.6% move when they report next week. That's in line with the 3.6% or so that the company has averaged over the course of the last eight quarters. But one thing I would point out is that at about 35 times earnings, these are valuations for Microsoft that we haven't seen in about 18 years. 2003 was the last time we saw the stock trading at the multiples where it has been most recently. So a way that we can make a modestly bullish bet but not have a lot of exposure if the market should pull back or valuations should start to come in is using a call calendar. I was looking specifically at the weekly 270, July 270 call calendar, buying that July 270 call and selling the weekly 270 calls against it, spending about $5.70. So we're looking at about 2%-ish or a little bit more of the current stock price to make that bet. And the idea is that this will be most profitable if the stock migrates up about 3.5% towards that 270 strike of the calendar that we're using. Now, of course, if it overshoots that by a significant amount, that would be a situation that would favor a diagonal spread. But that doesn't seem likely to happen. This is a stock that tends to see relatively muted moves on earnings. Tony, what do you think of the trade? And what do you think of Microsoft? Uh, yeah, so this is one of the few stocks where just pretty much everything lines up. You have 23 sell-side analysts. Every single one of them have a buy rating, an average target price of $287 on that. And when you look at the technicals and the fundamentals, they look really strong. Carter's charts show you the, the stock trading at all-time highs relative to its sector, also at all-time highs. These are really strong charts. And, and when you look at the fundamentals, I know we talk a lot about Azure and Office 365 as Microsoft's business, but 60% of Microsoft business is now cloud-based and SaaS revenue-based. So I think 35 times revenue is not particularly crazy. And if you compare it back to you know, 2003, there are very different companies to, to, to going back then. So I do think the valuations here are actually fairly reasonable, especially when you have LinkedIn and Xbox still growing at about 20, mid 20% revenue growth here. So Microsoft is really firing on all cylinders. So for those reasons, I do potentially uh, you know, think about Mike's trade where I might adjust that to a diagonal because I think that there is a little bit more upside here for Microsoft going into earnings. I would go a little further out in terms of the weeklies. I might go into the May weeklies, but sell maybe a 280 call against it, giving me a little bit of upside here on Microsoft because I do think it is very strong. Mike, what do you think of those tweaks? Yeah, so one of the points I would quickly make is that if you were going to extend the tenor, that is the maturity of the short option, then you definitely want to go further out of the money than the one I selected. Basically, that straight calendar is just trying to take advantage of the fact that the stock doesn't tend to move that much the week they report earnings. But if you give it more time, this is a stock that could obviously move substantially higher, maybe up to the average analyst price target around 285 or maybe even higher. So if you are going to move to a diagonal, 
and use a longer dated uh, expiration, then you definitely want to choose a short strike that's a little bit further out of the money than the 270 on the straight calendar using a weekly. All right. Well, another name on deck to report next week, next week's a big one, is NEO. The Chinese EV giant has struggled mightily this year, down more than 15 percent. But Tony says the stock could be primed for a big rebound. So, Tony, what's your take? Yeah, this was the poster EV stock in 2020, but it's had a pretty significant pullback here this year. But I do think this pullback is now the opportunity going into earnings next week. When we take a look at the chart itself, you had this $56 resistance level that the stock broke below back in February and has now completed what looks like a triple bottom formation here around $35. And that's the opportunity which merges well with the 200-day moving average with the stock recently just bounced off of. And you couple that with the fact that the stock just broke out above a short-term moving average, the 21-day moving average. That signals to me that this current downtrend is coming to an end and we could potentially start looking for upside here. And if you look at the business itself, Neo recently, despite chip shortages, delivered 20,000 vehicles here in Q1, which is about 420% quarter over quarter, uh, year over year growth for the quarter, which is in line with its much smaller competitors here in China. So for those reasons, it really shows that the battery swapping technology that Neo is focused on in the short run is doing its job. And potentially, you know, especially its, its rivals here in China have much longer term um, opportunities with autonomous driving. So Neo, I think, in the short run looks fairly strong. Now, when you look at the earnings itself, this particular quarter, it's only implying about a 10.8% move, which is still sizable, but fairly small compared to the 13.9% we've seen over the last eight quarters. So the trade structure I'm going to use is similar to the one that I just suggested for Microsoft, which is a call diagonal. I'm going out to the May, August 40 by 47 call diagonal. So I'm buying the August $40 call options for about $6.50, giving me a longer term bullish view here on NEO, but I'm gonna sell a short dated May $47 call against it for about $1.15. Net, net, I'm paying $5.35 for this call diagonal, less than the width of the diagonal. So if Neo does blow it out through, uh, through earnings and we see a substantial move to the upside, this is not a strategy that's going to underperform or, or turn uh, uh, unprofitable. Mike, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so taking a look at the longer dated option that he's buying, I mean, this is one of the reasons you want to take a look at using something like uh, call spreads, vertical spreads, diagonal spreads, or even calendar spreads in names like NEO, where options premiums can be quite high. Notice that that call, although it's slightly in the money, is more than 15% of the current stock price. Now, I would point out that in terms of implied volatility, that three-month option or so is actually at a two-year low in terms of its implied volatility. So he's picking up that call probably about as cheaply as expensive as it is, as cheaply as one could have over the course of the last two years. So I think using the higher priced, shorter dated options to help finance the longer dated at the money or slightly in the money call makes a lot of sense. These are stocks that tend to move around quite a lot. They can move around quite a lot on earnings. One of the reasons, by the way, that the implied move is a little bit more muted than the long-term average that Tony was talking about is that a lot of those big moves took place a little while ago. The last four quarters haven't seen quite the same magnitude of moves as the ones prior to that. And that is something that you often see with less mature companies. Carter, what do you make of this chart? Well, I mean, you're talking about an epic sort of affair. You're thinking about it at the pandemic low, it was a $3 stock. Mm -hmm. And then just in January of this year, it was 67 and, and, and the risk, of course, has been not removed, but by dropping 50 percent. I mean, we 
basically went from Jan 11 high of 67 to the lows of March at 31.32, a 52% decline, and now a nice little bounce back. And the key is the level that Tony has cited. It's held uh, a critical low three times, and that is the encouraging thing. All right. For everything Options Action, check out our website and sign up for our newsletter. Here's what's coming up next. Coming up, whoa, that cheeky analogy from last week's show open actually came true. The Netflix trade really was like an episode of Black Mirror. We have some serious reflection to do. Plus, calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action. Last week, we risked less on Netflix, but didn't exactly make more. The relative performance is very poor. To be unchanged in eight months, nine months, when the Russell 2000 is up 35, 40%, the S&P up 20, is that the problem? Or is it simply because it was such a good performer preceding the period of rest? That's my thinking. And uh, last quarter, it gapped up in a big way. We think it gaps up again. It's implying right now about a 7.5% move. That may not sound like much, given how much the stock moved the last quarter. But that is in line with the eight-quarter average. And this, of course, is a very big company and a very high share price. So 7.5% would represent a fairly big move. I was looking specifically at the July 560 calls, buying those, and then selling the weekly 580s. Net-net, you would be laying out about $23 to do that trade. Mike's trade is actually not as bullish. It's more mildly bullish, actually fairly neutral here, only risking 4.5%. So, and I do see that a potential surprise here for Netflix is the international segment. They have been testing mobile-only plans that are relatively cheap for the international market. That could surprise us to the upside. So utilizing options with limited risk is the way to play this, in my opinion. Well, as you know, since then, Netflix has, well, flopped. But as they say in so many movies, we live to fight another day. So let's go around the horn again and take a second stab at it. Uh, Carter, we start off with you. And in Twitter already, um, you acknowledge the, the wrong call you made. But what do we do here? Right. So the first thing about any trade, and the word is trade, is that if you're there for a reason, technically for a breakout, fundamentally an earnings result that would cause the breakout, and it doesn't happen, First loss, best loss is one of the best market adages there is, which is to say you walk away. Now, in terms of what's happened to the pattern in the stock, conceptually not much, which is to say, and let's look at two charts, it's simply fallen back to where it was three weeks ago. Yes, a lot has happened if you have the trade-on that we were recommending, but in terms of what Netflix is doing after basically more than uh, doubling from its lows, the rest is now likely to continue. So tactically, it's dull. It has no upside. There's no catalyst. And I think the downside is capped because it is just dropped and gapped back into the range. And now look at the second chart. Here, this depicts the range. If you have a longer term, and this was the sort of the discussion with clients all week, 
uh, it's something to continue to add to because ultimately the breakout will come and uh, Netflix will be meaningfully higher over time. Hmm. So, Mike, um, what do you do now? Okay, so, you know, the first thing is that obviously, uh, as Carter pointed out, if you get it wrong, oftentimes what we'll say is if you put premium into a trade and you give back about 50% or a little bit more right after a catalyst like this one, uh, that you just, you know, head for the exits immediately. And, and I could understand if a lot of people who put this on might have done that. Had you done that, so uh, ended up just selling the longer dated call because the shorter dated one expired this week, so that's over and done with, you would have lost about 2.5% of the current stock price. Less than the 7.5% that Netflix gave back over the course of the week that they reported earnings, but still 2.5% is quite punishing uh, in the grand scheme of things. If you are now inclined to believe, though, that the stock is range-bound, that's a new thesis, and it's a new trade. This is not necessarily a situation where we don't advocate trying to rescue a bad trade, but if you have a new thesis, you can certainly play it, and if you have an existing position, you can use it. So if you still own those July calls and you're still inclined to play Netflix but now believe that it's going to be range-bound for a time, you could convert the existing structure into a short iron condor. I was looking specifically at selling the June 470 450 put spread and then selling the June 550 calls against it. Now, remember, we own the July 560, so it's a little bit of a twist on the iron condor. But the idea here would be if you sold those options, you would collect about $12.25. That's approximately how much we ended up losing in premium between last week and this week on the long leg that we still carry. So this is a situation where you could play a new thesis if you chose to, and I know that some people have been, and I believe that some of uh, Carter's clients are actually engaging in trades like this. But again, you know, don't try to rescue a bad trade, but if, with new information, you have a new thesis, you can convert some of the existing positions you have to reflect your new thesis. Yeah, now Tony, last week you were trying to play devil's advocate, so what do you say now? Um, so I agree here from the perspective with what Carter said is the fact that not a whole lot has changed, but it is trading near the bottom end of this range. Now, typically with a trade like this, my suggestion would be simply cut the losers, move on. But I do think it's worth exploring this fairly creative way that Mike has come up with to potentially repair this long call with an iron, a broken wing iron condor here. So the, the thing that I want to point here is the fact that the $500 level here for Netflix has held. So for those reasons, I do like selling the put spread to the downside to collect some premium, but I would actually be a little bit more aggressive. I would sell the 500 475 put spread uh, because as long as that $500 holds, uh, the $500 support level holds, that kind of put spread will be profitable you'll collect a little bit more premium and actually taking on a little bit less risk. And net-net here, you're going to collect about 15 and a half bucks on this iron condor adjustment. And that'll pretty much get you back to break even if, this, if Netflix holds above $500 and also stays below 550 which I think, based on the current uh, levels, that's likely going to happen. Okay, up next, an AT&T callback, and we are back in two. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take a look back at one of our recent trades. Just last week, Mike called up a trade on AT&T. When we do a buy right, here are the important things to consider. Typically, you want to do this on a stock that you want to own. You want to do it so, though, on a stock that has maybe only modest upside potential. Why is that? Because you're going to be selling an upside call. This is a situation where you're worrying less about catalysts, less about capital appreciation, and more about yield. You can look to buy that stock. I was looking at that. It was about 29 and a half bucks earlier today. And you could sell those June 
31 calls for about 50 cents against it. Now, importantly, those calls expire before the next dividend date. So you actually are essentially creating a new one for yourself by selling those. And the yield would be just under 1.7% on a standstill basis. That trade ended up very much in the green. So, Mike, what are you doing now? Yeah, I mean, the key thing when you do a buy right, the best thing that can happen to you is for the shares that you purchased to run to the strike of the option that you sold by expiration. Now, it did run to the strike, slightly through it, in fact, but we still have a considerable amount of time to go until expiration, and there's still a lot of extrinsic premium to those short calls. So you want to hang on to those. I would look to roll those up and out when the extrinsic premium gets to 15 cents or less. So basically what that means is when we start to see some of that decay come out, just take a look at the share price minus the strike price. When you take that intrinsic premium out, how much is the call left with at that point? Because that means the decay has essentially uh, been erased. You've taken out most of what you can get. So at that point, you're going to want to roll it up and out. What would you do, Tony? Uh, I actually have this trade on myself. Uh, you know, I, I made the adjustment that I suggested last week with the May 31 calls as opposed to the June 31 calls. I'm doing exactly as Mike said. I'm hanging on to these. I'm letting them get towards about two to three weeks from expiration when the extrinsic value declines. And then I'm likely going to roll this out to June, probably to the $32 or $33 strike, depending on where the stock is trading at the time. All right. Up next, we got the final call. Time now for the final call. Last word from the options pits. Carter, what do you say? Microsoft, it's as steady as it gets. In fact, its beta at 0.89 is lower than the consumer staple sector and the utilities. Steady as she goes, up and to the right, buy it into earnings. Tony. I think China's electric vehicle market is about to heat up with NEO's battery swapping technology. I'm buying a May-August call diagonal. Mike Coe. I like Microsoft fundamentally, and it doesn't tend to move that much on earnings week. I think calendars and diagonals are the way to play it into earnings. All right, that does it for us here on Options Action. See you next Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Mad Money starts right now. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Edinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.